Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as author and podcaster Chris Ryan joins us for another enjoyable conversation, including the feeling that we are in a unique moment in history, why those who have it all don't seem to be worried that the world is being poisoned, we are tribal creatures, not meant for isolation. Lifeboat communes, crazy horse, and dreaming of a world where old men plant trees they know they will never sit under. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 154. Across from me, as always, is Mr. Daniele Bellelli. Welcome, you guys. First from his chat with Sex at Dawn author Chris Ryan and his podcast... Tangentially speaking. That's it. I enjoy the conversation so much that I just ask him, hey, do you mind if we can do a dual release and have it on the Drunken Taoist as well? And of course, Chris, being the gentleman that he is, agreed. And so here we are. It's a blast of an interview, guys. You're going to dig it. They, they kind of get all over the place, but it's lots of fun places. And I did notice the three ways were mentioned before the episode was of course. complete. So. It's, it's a Chris Ryan episode. I know. There has to be a... Well, I was just worried. He's getting older. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I missed him, and I haven't talked to him in a while, and I hadn't had a chance to, and, you know, being back there and chatting with him, it felt like a nice breath of fresh air in terms of the weirdness that's I find in the surrounding culture, but... In any case, without further ado, let me just touch base and say thank you to a few nice folks. Guess who we're gonna thank today? I think we have one of the folks. One of our favorites? Yes! <laughs> Blue chew, blue chew. You make your mate coo when you crunch a blue chew. And there he is. Uh, the singing rich uh, <laughs> did it again. Yes. Promo code for our listener is DRUNK, D-R-U-N-K, for the most amazing pills in the history of pill making. The amount of peacemaking that could have been made over the centuries had this been available. Yes, grumpy, indeed. Grumpy fellas with uh, bad dispositions could have been instantly. Yeah, because basically, I'm sure you guys have figured it out by now, but in case you haven't, and by the way, this seems very appropriate for a Chris Ryan episode Absolutely. since it's a, it's a nice sex topic. I'm going to put the boner sound right there. Right. Blue Chew. Same uh, FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so it's the good stuff. So you can take them anytime, even on a full stomach, which is nice. And since they are chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So ready to go whenever you can. Um, both Rich and I are, uh, have personally tested the product. And, Absolutely. Uh, have, we, don't, we don't endorse anything we haven't tried. Most definitely. And uh, who? We like this, guys. I think um, the question I kind of get the most is, 
well, do I just have to walk around embarrassed for the rest of the day? No. Nope. Not, not until you really engage yeah. does the magic enact. Yeah, nothing happens. You feel like kind of a strange little buzz in the back yes. of your consciousness. Nothing dramatic, but just a little bit. Nothing happening and south of the border. <laughs> but then suddenly when uh, things get interesting and you are getting excited. That's Hello! Where you, yeah, where you get quite a bit of... Uh, Somebody call? <laughs> we like that. <laughs> So it's prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, none of that stuff. I love the little note you always get from Dr. J, though. He's like, oh, it's going well, Dr. J. <laughs> right now, special deal for our listener. Visit bluechew.com uh, and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code DRUNK. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E. C-H-E-W.com, promo code DRUNK, to try it for free. Thank you very much for sponsoring the podcast. Blue Chew, you guys are awesome. Also, of course, thank you to the sweet folks at Onnit, who have been... <laughs> Rich is cracking up. Why are you cracking up? Because uh, I'm packing to go to Hawaii, and the only thing I have in there is some swimming trunks, and some blue chew. and a whole <laughs> pack of Blue Chew. <laughs> I think that's a good... Uh, I might put a bottle you know, of whiskey in there just for the hell of it. Right. <laughs> that's Where, funny. How was Hawaii? I don't know. I never went outside. <laughs> I hear it's really nice. But I look out the window in between sessions exactly. and it was fun. Yes. <laughs> that works. Well, you can also pop some alpha brain to keep you awake through your sessions of mind-bending sex. Wow. And... Uh, <laughs> And while you are at it, to keep your glorious body in shape, lift some kettlebells or... Or a giant slab of uh, uh, Duke Canyon soap. Yeah, that, that one too, which we'll get to uh, soon. In the... Oh, speaking of which, check the out sponsor this... mashup. Uh, <clears throat> we'll have to play with that later. So I got from Onnit this thing. is my new favorite thing. Is, um, let me show it to is you. The flat thing over there? Yeah, let's do it. What is this? Oh, is that for punching? Oh, is it like a medicine ball or? So, so like, frisbee? Oh, fuck. And you want to do one hand? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Something fun for the beach. Yes, exactly. And it's not a terrible way, but I bet after you do it for a few minutes. Right? You got you right. Yeah, I've been pitchforking for the past two weeks, so. So your grip strength is. I'm pleased with it. That's fantastic. What do they call this thing? I need to find out. It's a steel bell on the outside. Then it's a steel bell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Back to work. Sorry, we were just tossing the old steel bell around there. Yeah, we had to do a quick Onnit product testing, specifically a steel bell. Another winner. Which is this uh, small bag that's... I have the 10-pound version. There's a 20- and 30-pound version if you're really ambitious. And you basically toss it... We pass it to each other almost like a frisbee. Yep. And you catch one-handed, and that's, besides being a lot of fun... It strengthened the grip, strengthened all the muscle in the arms, strengthened the hands. So if you and look like the catch, you probably want to slowly bring it down. So yeah, yeah, you can work a lot of ways that way. It's awesome, man. Is uh, so that's my new favorite Onnit product. The steel bell is badass. That's a great toy. Last thing, um, short design T-shirt. Oh, you know, before short design T-shirt, of course, you guys know Onnit. There's a promo code in the episode notes, and uh, you know, after 
six years, I should probably remember the promo code. That would be a good start. Not surprisingly, the promo code is rather simple to remember because it's the word Taoist. So onnit.com forward slash Taoist to get a discount on a bunch of their awesome things. Thank you very much to Shore Design T-shirts for the always amazing high quality stuff that they send us. What else do we need to say? I think, you know, people who shop on Amazon, if you can use our Amazon link, that would be sweet. Thank you to grasslandbeef.com. As soon as this episode is ready, we are going to go on the website and Rich is going to pick something to eat. I already picked. You have? Okay. Well, It's, it's the beef eye round roast. It looks quite awesome. We shall do that. So we're going to place an order as soon as they the episode is over. Deliver by drone, I think. Yeah, these guys send some amazing high-quality chicken, beef, uh, you know, all sort of farm products. So again, if you are a vegetarian, probably this is not for you. But for anybody else, this is really high-quality stuff delivered right to your door. Grasslandbeef.com Um... Shall we jump into the episode? Yeah, this is a great one. See you on the other side. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I just got out of bed about an hour ago. I'm drinking coffee, and I've got uh, a beautiful Italian here with me in my living room. Not exactly the beautiful Italian that I would have in mind for this situation. (laughs) So unfortunate. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's Daniele. He's got a deep voice, not the kind. Yes, not exactly Sophia Loren, but what are you going to do, man? Welcome, Daniele. It's been a long time, man. I know, man. Every time, uh, lately especially, when I find myself in dire need of some sanity, I look at your Twitter or one of the podcasts (laughs) or something. Yeah, man. Actually, surprisingly enough, yes, because it's there's so much shit I see around me where people are... Even people, you know, people who used to listen to Alan Watts and Drop Acid who are now quoting like some ultra right-wing bullshit and mm. turn uh, like uh, let's go back to the old days when marriage was sacred and, all, and I'm just like holy shit what happened you know yeah, it sounds like Jordan Peterson <laughs> thank you <laughs> sure that's exactly you know the time machine has been invented and there's a poor Puritan congregation in the 1600s missing their favorite preacher. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people I know and like are just going in very weird direction. And so I yeah. go back to your shit and I'm just like, I get a big smile. I'm like, ah, the word still makes sense. Oh, so, wow. Daniele, I, I guess I should thank you for that. But it's strange that the world is so fucked up that I'm the voice of reason. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't know, man. When I become normal, shit's really weird. No, the problem is you're not normal at all. And uh, that's the voice of reason part. Oh, okay. You know, it's the you. fact that it's like, ah, oasis in the desert. Yes, fresh yeah, water. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for that. I, I don't know. It's It does seem like... Uh, it does feel like we're in a unique historical moment. I'm, I mean, I guess lots of people have felt that over sure. the centuries. That, and there are, I guess, all historical moments are unique. 
But it does feel like, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, all this sort of social justice rage Mm -hmm. that's all around us. I wonder to what extent that is a result of people feeling existential despair and they can't really do a damn thing about, you know, it's like the guy who hates his boss, but he can't do anything. So he goes home and abuses his family. Of course. I kind of wonder if we're not doing that, if especially because it seems to affect younger people more. Mm -hmm. And so the younger you are, the more of this fucked up world you're going to have to live in. It it just seems like if I were 30 years old and you're, you know, or 20 years mm-hmm. old and you're looking at your life and it's like, come on, the place is falling apart. Yeah. You know, it's like you guys got to dance and have fun at the party. Now the lights are on, the ashtrays are full, there's puke in the corner and I show up at the party now. Yeah. This is the party now. Yeah. Fuck you guys. It's a mess. Yeah, totally. And I think that's what's, uh, to me, both weird and sometimes frustrating seeing these kind of, con- like the conversations being in the headlines, being stuff about like, this is all we're talking about. Right. It doesn't fucking matter. R. Kelly pissed on some chick. Yeah. yeah Meanwhile, like, the goddamn fucking glaciers are melting, yeah, you know? It's but, like, I think there are yeah. some things that are a little more important priorities. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's, there's that sense of powerlessness that is like, okay, what are you going to do about it as an individual? Right. You know, you can bitch and moan about it, but re- in reality, you have very little power to change things. Yeah. So let's uh, have a big fight about transgender bathrooms, you know? And it's like, and I mean, mm. don't get me wrong, there are some issues that are not... I'm not making fun like, oh, that's stupid. I'm just saying in the great scheme of things, there are things that are a little more priority. Yeah. And those are swept. And and I kind of wonder how sometimes this is uh, partially may just be a product of feeling powerlessness to change the situation. And part of it may be intentionally fostered to keep, you know, let's have the, the plebs fight each other over some bullshit issue that doesn't sure. really affect the bottom line of the people who are really pulling the strings. Yeah. So that, you know, let's throw them a bone that the people can fight on while in the meantime, I keep making my money running the world in the same direction in which that has allowed me to keep making this money. You know, I, I feel people have heard me talk about this a lot, but I kind of have come to the conclusion that nobody's pulling the strings, Mm, that the strings pull themselves. I think you're not wrong in that, in the sense that, or rather, there's probably a little bit of both happening. There, no, there is no master plan of somebody who has it all figured out. Because if there was a master plan, you wouldn't be so stupid as to poison the very planet you live in. So that's, no, nobody has it. a genius plan yeah. that they are. At the same time, due to short-sightedness and greed somebody who is in a position of power and at least is, uh, yeah, while everything else is going to shit, they have all the money and yeah. the fan, they were going to keep wanting that program to keep going to at least sure. give them the money. And so maybe in that yeah. sense, pulling the string in a very limited kind of way. I, I feel like uh, that's certainly true, that people who are winning the game don't want to change the rules, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I also feel like the people who are winning the game don't realize that they're not really winning anything you know like there's so many people who are what we would call successful who are miserable absolutely right and 
if you talk to like I, I was talking to this girl the other day um in Malibu at the um, the Soho House in mm-hmm. Malibu which is like Soho House for people who don't know it's like a members only thing I'm not a member but I have a friend who got me in and um it's very sort of exclusive it you know what's his, some famous singer was sitting at the table next to us and it's where like movie stars yeah. and famous people go to hang out where they won't be harassed by normal people anyway this girl was there i was talking with her and she's very wealthy she went to some private school in malibu grew up with all the money and all that and she was talking about how she'd been addicted to painkillers mm-hmm. and all the stuff and you know, cut herself and try attempted suicide. And I said, um, I said, is that kind of stuff like common among your friends? And she said, I don't know anyone who I grew up with who isn't fucked up. Wow. Like nobody. They're all fucked up. Our parents never had time for us. They hated each other. Fucked up family life. You're raised by a nanny who hates you. Right. You're, you know, off getting horseback riding lessons and, you know, thrown off to some private school in Switzerland. And, you know, it's just like everybody's fucked up and they're the winners. That's the top of the. So anyway, my point is like, I feel like people aren't pulling strings like strings are pulling people, you know? Well, totally, because as you said, the the issue there is if the so-called winners are just as fucked up as anyone else, or but more the, so. Or more so. But at the same time, they feel like they don't know how to get out, right? They don't know mm. how to make themselves happy, so they don't know how to make anybody else around them yeah. happy or make the planet a better place. They have no fucking idea. What they do know is, hey, at least I'm not homeless under a bridge. At right. least I can buy myself expensive toys and right. fly to Switzerland on a moment notice. Yeah. Maybe because I don't know anybody else who has it together, maybe that's all there is. Maybe that's winning the game. Yeah. And so due to a severely misguided concept of what winning the game means, they will try to pull the strings to keep the game going sure. because they think they are winning the game. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, so this leads to the question, who or what is behind this? Right. Right? If yeah. they're not, if they're, just, if they're just actors in the same play, yeah. who wrote the lines? Who wrote this play? You know, right. what's going on? And that's where my mind's at these days. Like, you know, watching it happen and realizing that nobody's in control and then like, okay, then what the fuck is going on here? There's my sort of thinking these days is about emergent properties, emergent mm-hmm. intelligence. So it's like a flocking behavior. Like we're yeah. we're random birds who've, who've formed a flock now or... One metaphor I use a lot is the locust swarming. Uh-huh. Like we're swarming and we're destroying everything. But none of us is like, okay, guys, let's all go over to that cornfield and eat. Right. There's no leader. It yeah. just happens, you know, which leads to two things for me. It leads to a sense of greater helplessness because uh-huh. it doesn't matter if Bernie's elected or, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez isn't going to save us. But uh, it also makes me feel less um angry sure because i don't feel like anyone's really doing this to us like trump isn't doing it trump is an effect absolutely you know he's not a leader and there are no leaders that i guess is what i'm even intellectually it's interesting to think about how ideas become powerful and popular because they 
um, feed into a pre-existing power dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if if it's important for some sort of global economic reason to believe that um, Chinese are the superior race. If you write a book explaining why Chinese are the superior race, that book will be a bestseller because, you know, the Chinese Bill Gates will love it and write a review of it and it'll become, you know what I mean? So it's not really the quality of the idea. It's how it feeds into... There's this Navajo expression I always I always remember. It's easiest to ride a horse in the direction it's going. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. So yeah. like Darwin. Yeah. I, Darwin's a genius. Right. Like I don't mean to criticize Darwin. Darwin was a great genius, a great person. But his idea got co-opted. Mm-hmm. Natural selection got co-opted and absorbed into a justification for ruthless capitalism. Absolutely. Because that's what was needed by capitalism. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah, isn't it weird? Like, even Jesus. Like, what the fuck? Jesus didn't... How is Jesus a justification for all the shit that these Christians are... It's uh, Anyway, sorry. I'm ranting. No, but it's true. We're here to hear. listen to you rant, Daniele, (laughs) not me. No, but that's the thing. It's like, there is this sense that... um, This lack of direction, this lack of uh, having a plan, this lack of... It really boils down to... 99.99% 99.99% of people don't know how to make themselves happy. And that's not even a goal on the spectrum. It's like you you never sit down in school. Well, and probably good thing because the way schools are set up, it would probably be counter. But the point being, it's not even as a stated goal as like, okay, what do you need in life to be happy? Right. What is, take a month and plan, write down all the things that in your ideal life would be like. Mm. That to me is something that if any school was a real school where they actually teach you how to be a human being and handle life and mm. stuff, that would be priority number one, two, three, four, and five, right? Everything else is a tool to try to take you there. So yeah, learn this subject mm. so that it helps you get to that place and right. learn this other thing. That, But those are just tools. They are The goal is... How the fuck do you get a happy life where you are fulfilled, where people around you are happy to have you around? You know, that should be. And when you have this conversation with most people, which should be the most basic conversation in the world, the stuff that everybody has been thinking since they were five, people are like, oh, wow, what a concept. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what a concept? Isn't this what we should be talking about all the time? Mm. Like how? Do you how do you create a better life for yourself? Who yeah. do you want to be? You know, if you weren't a slave to 10,000 forces keeping you in places where you don't want to be, what would life be like? Because, I mean, tomorrow you win the lottery and you're no longer a slave, right? You're no longer a slave to economic conditions that force you to do a shitty job you don't want to do. You're no longer a slave to, you know. But if you haven't figured out what life would be like if you could get away from those things, then you're still, a, you happen to be a rich slave. You happen mm. to be the slave who fly to Switzerland as the private right. school, but you're still a slave to your own shit, right? right? You got a net worth of $10 million and you're still working weekends. Exactly. Like, and it's just one of the things where it's like, how is that not one of the primary conversations? And it's not an ideological thing because, you know, your way of being happy may be completely different from mine or somebody else's. So it's not that everybody needs to believe the same, they need to reach the same conclusion. But the process, the very process of putting that as a priority of like, what are we here to do really? You know, what the fuck are we doing in this life? How do we make it 
enjoyable for everyone around us or as many people as possible and ourselves first and foremost you know what you end up having is the people then making billions writing self-help books to kind of fulfill this need that people have of course but they don't have a plan or they haven't thought it through and shit so it's like you know then is the seven steps to happiness or the four and it's all bullshit right it's just yeah well let's unpack that a little bit sure um is it possible to be healthy in an unhealthy world well and i think that's a very key question because of course is that even an option? I mean, people right? who are listening to this right yeah. now who are the mm-hmm. people that we, we mentioned earlier, a lot of them are in their 20s, early 30s, their lives are ahead yeah. of them, and they're saying, okay, I want to be happy. I want to live a healthy life with meaning, And but look at the world I'm going to be living it in. It's a world of you know hundreds of millions of refugees and starvation sure. and despair and environmental decay. Is it even possible? I mean, can you... Sure. How, how healthy can you be in a room full of secondhand smoke, you know? My all-time idol, more than... There are quite a few people that I have as sort of historical role models, but my all-time idol is E.Q. Sojun, Zen priest from the 1400s, your kind of guy, right? I actually quoted you because I just recorded uh, two episodes about E.Q. for History on Fire. Hmm. They're coming out in the next few days. And I actually quoted you about uh, being the shame exorcist because he's your guy, right? Oh. He's sex. Well, you're quoting Duncan there, actually. Well, applied <laughs> to you, though. <laughs> Appla- <laughs> apl- you know, yeah. Duncan started it, but applied yeah. it to you, right? Yeah. He was in your honor, <laughs> the whole shame exorcist. Thank you. Yeah. The, but the whole, you know, he's a Zen, sex, drinking sake, and uh, flipping off the Zen establishment. Right, you know? right. And what I love about that dude is that he lived, uh, you know, he grew up, he was the illegitimate son of the emperor of Japan. Uh, his father disowned him before he was even born. Uh, his mom, in order to save him from a shitty fate, had to put him in a Zen monastery when he was five years old. So he grew up without parents in this stifling, severe monastery where were not quite all he was cracked out to be. 1400s, there's major civil war going on in Japan at one point. Half of Kyoto burned to the ground, the people starving in the street. It's a shitty scenario, you know. It's not a scenario of, like, everything is great and wonderful. And sometimes you can see it in Ikkyu's writings that he's feeling it, you know, that he's, it's affecting it. He cannot be just completely la-la mm. happy in the middle of sure. shit. But at the same time, there's always, there's a line of Ikkyu that's like, I love it to death because there's this EQ line that goes, throw me into hell and I'll find a way to enjoy it. Mm. You know, and he's not denying that there is such a thing as really shitty conditions. Mm-hmm. And he's not denying, he's not saying, no, if you just think positive, hell is really heaven. No, it's hell. It sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no argument there. And maybe you're not even going to be able to change it. Maybe. But what you can work is, how can I, in almost a defiant way, yeah. in the face of all this shit around, raise, you know, defiant smile, raise middle finger and just go, you know, and I'm going to find a way to be happy despite all this shit, mm. in the middle of it all. You know, we had all these forces that I'm trying to pull me down and there are very re- good reasons to be depressed. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. 
Now, of course, that's easier said than done because you know yeah. there are moments where you pull it off, and there are moments where all this shit weighs you down and pull you back down, and you're like, "Yes, that's great. I'm having fun in this and this, but look around." Yeah. But to me, it's like without that element, without the I'm gonna find a way to have fun in the year now. There's certainly no greater transformation of the world around you. Now, there may be no greater transformation anyway. You know, maybe you yeah. cannot change the context around you. Yeah. But for sure as hell is never gonna change unless you find a way to carve for yourself a little space where without denying external reality, you'll find a way in spite of it all to find happiness. Now, what could happen, and now it's super optimistic, but what could happen is that because you find a way, you're able to pass that thing to somebody else and he plants a seed. And maybe, 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 you, if you eat enough of a critical mass of people going in that direction, you can make some major changes that affect society at large. The odds are not great. Okay? The odds are pretty poor for yeah. of that happening. Yeah. But sure as hell beats the alternative of just shooting yourself <laughs> because life sucks and it's all yeah. depressing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You reminded me of two things. One... I interviewed a guy on this podcast a long time ago, um, probably the first hundred episodes or something, um, who had been in prison for 27 years for killing his mother, mm -hmm. but he didn't kill her. 27 years. He was framed by yep. the fucking detective. Oof. Detective who's retired right now, living in his house, no problem, even though... They demonstrated that he had framed this kid right. when he was 16, came home and found his mother dead, and they put him in prison for it, right? Anyway, I was, he, my aunt knew him, and just, you know, my aunt was like, you should interview Bruce. He's a really cool guy. And I was afraid to and because I thought he would be so angry mm. that I was just afraid to be near him, sure. you know? And then I finally met him at a party and he was super chill. And then we arranged to do the podcast. So in the conversation, I said to him, you know, I got to be honest with you. I was afraid to yeah. do this. You know, it's like there was it's as if there was some sickness that you had that I was imagining I would catch if I <laughs> if I were near you. I said, how do you how is it that you're not angry? Yeah. You know, and he said, they took 27 years from me. I'm not going to give them another day. That's genius right yeah. there. It is. But as you said, it's got to be so much easier to say than to do, right? So much Because if you turn and look and say, they took 27 years yep. of my life, 27 years in a cage mm -hmm. for something I didn't do, you, you start slipping down that slope, you're going really far, you know? And you have very good reasons to be angry. Yeah, you're totally but, justified. Just like a young person looking at the world now is totally yeah. justified to be insanely angry, insanely depressed, literally insane, sure. right? And some of them are going crazy, you know? But um, that's exactly the point that, yeah. yeah, you're right. So what? So what? What can you do exactly. instead about right. it? And, uh, and again, way easier said than done. But actually, interesting you mentioned because I saw the exact same thing where, remember that guy, Geronimo Pratt, Black Panther Party member, mm. framed for a murder in Santa Monica, didn't do it, mm. discovered that he was bullshit, let go after, I think, 27 or 20, 26 or 26, about the same time, right? And I remember the interview when he came out. 
And I couldn't believe it because that dude was all smiles and mm. mellow. And they were like, aren't you mad? Aren't you? And it's like, that. I was so angry. But if I was angry for 27 years, I wouldn't have lasted. You right. know, I would have burned out. So after a while, you're like, I'll just sit here and meditate yeah. and find something to smile about because yeah. the alternative is not good. Right. So might as well, you know. I sometimes wonder, I, I mean, I agree with you uh, and, and I try to arrange my life in that way. I, I was angry when I was young and then I got to a point where it's like, you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And your anger is unattractive and it's going to bring the wrong people into your life. And like, it's not effective. Yep. Exactly. It's not effective. Yep. And so I, I gradually reoriented myself and, and yet sometimes I think that human capacity, like you, you were talking about, uh, IQ, is uh-huh. it? Um, you know, you can throw me into hell, but I'll find a way to enjoy it. I sometimes wonder if that capacity isn't our downfall as a species, that we can adapt to anything. And therefore, we, another way of saying that is we can tolerate anything. So we end up like, oh, okay, I work in a coal mine, but at least I feed my kids so I won't join the revolution. I'm with you. you. I said, I think that's only one step in the sequence because it's like being able to adapt yourself to a sick concept or what's normal. That's not good. That just it perpetuates, perpetuates the, the, the sickness. Crap. Yeah. But unless you find a way to breathe, you know, to be happy for a little bit, hmm. to me, that's a stepping stone towards something greater. You know, if all you have done is, oh, now I can uh, play video game and be happy in the middle of the world collapsing around me. I mean, I'm glad for you that you're not cutting yourself daily when you were having fun playing video games. Good for you. It's not helping anybody else, but that's great. To me, it's like that initial step of finding the little breathing room of happiness for yourself then should lead to the next step, which is how do I spread the contagion? How do I help mm. uh, this, this turn into more than just me having cut this tiny little island of happiness right. in the surrounding bullshit? Right. How do I actually affect other human beings in my life? How do I affect on a greater scale? Which know? gets back to the, the beginning of this conversation where you were saying that uh, any school worthy of its name would, would be teaching this question, mm-hmm. exploring this issue. And I think the first classes would have to be, what do we mean by happiness? Totally. Because right? the definition is not A, self-evident, and B is probably different for everybody. Right. But I think ultimately uh, what we would conclude is that it's impossible to be happy alone. Truly happy. Not for a sure. weekend. I mean, yep. you can have a great time, you know, hiking, whatever, but... Tr- Whatever we mean by happiness, it must, it includes a sense of meaning and it includes a feeling that you're a positive presence in other people's lives. I could not agree more because, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but of course we're tribal creatures. Mm. We're not built for isolation which is probably one of the things that is making us insane in the modern world, that people are yeah. lonelier than ever and we are cut off from community. And, and the tribe. richer you are, the lonelier you are. Exactly. So which is why some, you know, what I was saying, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. I think right. some of the people who, who've, who believe they're winning the games, they're actually the biggest losers. Yep. Living in that big house mm-hmm. in Malibu, isolated, nobody in the house except you and the yep. maid who hates your fucking guts. You're not winning, man. No. 
exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when people wonder why are people popping antidepressants, like there's no tomorrow, why is there, there's a sense of loneliness that's just not the way we are built. You know, we are built to live in communities, we are built to live in mm-hmm. tribes, we are built to have close-knit relationship with at least a decent enough number of people. Yeah, All this shit doesn't, it's not how we are hardwired, you know, and so that just, uh, yeah, that right there is a huge element. It's like without creating some kind of community, however you want to define it, that w- without being able to bring back a sense of modern tribes, everything else is, you know, yeah. none of the stuff can last long term. Now, that makes the problem 10 times harder because if it's hard enough to find a way to make yourself happy, just yourself, okay, which is difficult in many, many ways, but at the same time, connecting with other people who are in your same place where you are, would have the same mindset, similar priorities, similar, and you can help each other out in the process, good luck finding too many of those, you know, because life is pulling people in 10,000 different directions. People are, a bunch of the people that you like are still completely fucked up by being in this sick society around them and they mm. can pull themselves out and you can't quite do the work for them. Yeah. Some of them have figured their shit out, but they have other things that they are working on, want to do, they live in a different place. So the people that you can actually meet physically, face-to-face, to create a face-to-face community, that's a lot easier said than done. You know, that's like, yeah. I remember there's a beginning, and sorry if I go on on this, but Please. just came to mind. Mm. I remember I was reading um, The Spoke Zarathustra. I started reading it when I was probably, I don't know, late teens or something. And toward the beginning, there's this one scene where the lead character in the story, Zarathustra, that Nietzsche is telling us, there's this thing where he's dragging, he, he had this friend, who dies along the way and he keeps dragging him with him and eventually he realized that I cannot be dragging this dead weight behind me I mean unless there's somebody who actually is alive and want to walk next to me what am I doing here this is bullshit and I think a lot of the time it ends up this way where somebody who managed to get out from underwater who managed to find a place where they are in a healthier place then desperately try to drag other people out and in a bunch of cases, after a while, you realize you're pulling that weight because these people are not getting out, you know, and they may be nice, they may be sweet, they may be whatever, and you tried one way, you tried another, you tried a third, and you're spending all your energy trying to say, come on, come on, we can do this together, and you're like, no, you can't, they are not there with you. And so in addition to having to do the job on yourself, you also have to find people who are at least within the range of possibilities for them to be there with you. Mm. That's, that I haven't had an incredible amount of luck with, you know? (laughs) It's like, like my life actually got a lot easier because for me it was always a priority, right? Is I need my goddamn trail. Like, the way I'm built is like, I feel one night I went to sleep. I was all happy, my teepee, hanging around with my people. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, the fuck is my teepee? Where's my tribe? Right. What just happened? What am I doing here? You yeah. know? And for the longest time I try to come on, come on, let's build it. Let's make it happen. Let's set it up again. And things got way easier for me where at least temporarily I put that on hold where I was like, you know what? I need to focus on my own shit for a while. I need to take care of myself. I need to, I need to build that path that works even just for me. 
Now, it's not my ideal, and as you were saying, I don't think just for me is going to work long term. But I'm just wasting energy at this stage because I don't... Maybe I will meet those people. Maybe if I carry on my path and build something good for myself, maybe I will meet those people. And if I don't, at least I'll have had some fun in the process of carrying on my path. And if I do, great, then we can get to the real work, you know. But, you know, if you are waiting for to find the other 10, 20, 30 people who are at the same place... You may be waiting a long fucking time, you know, yeah. because it's... I feel like the the two threads of this conversation are converging now because, you know, we're talking about happiness and, and personal fulfillment and so on. And we're also talking about how to confront the collapsing world. And one of the things that I've been thinking about, it sounds like you're thinking about as well, is if the ship is sinking maybe we can build a life raft, mm -hmm. a lifeboat, right? And by that, I mean what you're describing, uh, a core group of people with similar ideals um, who buy land, not together necessarily, um, but adjoining. Yeah. Right? I don't want to get... Uh, the, the main thing is like to avoid the mistakes that have been made in the past. And one of them is like, oh, let's all put our money in together. Yeah, and, never. <laughs> you know, Daniele has a bunch of money. He can buy the land. That rarely works. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, yeah. the money thing gets complicated. But let's say we find this, you know, some beautiful place in wherever, Montana or Idaho yep. or someplace. And like you buy a bunch of land. I buy the land next to it. Yep. Someone else buys. So, so we've got whatever 15 20 people and we sort of just buy up this area and then we build a central structure in the middle that's for everybody with mm -hmm. the big fireplace and the big kitchen and the theater and a library and like that's the hangout zone yep. but you've got your land where you've got your house and i've got my yurt and someone else is living in an airstream and yep. And so there's a certain part that's communal, but there's a lot of, you know, if you don't want to hang, you've got your own place, right? Something like that, where we take care of each other, mm -hmm. take care of each other's kids, if you've yep. got kids, animals, somebody's, you know, taking care of the garden, someone else is dealing with chickens, someone's a doctor, someone's, yep. you know, like, people can contribute, because I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you experienced this as well, but I like when I go in the van uh, every summer I go off. Right. And so many, I meet so many people who are looking for like, they, they want to put their energy into something yep. and they're just looking for something interesting to put their energy into, you know, like they've got their job, they've got mm -hmm. their whatever, so I mentioned this lifeboat idea, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I got a bunch of emails from people saying, when you set it up, let me know. I'm a plumber. I'll come and do the plumbing for you. And it's not like they want to move in. They no, just want to contribute. Want, yeah, of course. They want to you know? see something that creates an alternative to the surrounding so, bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. So this is not only, I mean, it's a way for uh, to create a space for happiness. Because I agree with you. You can't make anyone happy. It's like education. I remember reading some line um, the point of education is not is is not to transmit information or something, but it's to create an environment in which learning can occur. You know what I mean? So create an environment in which happiness can occur. Mm -hmm. Not forcing everyone, hey, this is going to make you happy. No, right. no. Like here's a place 
we figured this out. We're happy. We're taking care of each other. We're creating art. We're eating good food. We're raising children that are beautiful, happy children because there are a whole bunch of adults around who love them and right. protect them. Like if we're, So we're recreating a sort of modern tribal reality. I feel like people just coming and visiting and seeing that should spend a week there. Spend that a week. would change your life. And then they'd go out and build their own. Yep. And then exactly. and then suddenly there are all these pods, you know, coming up all over mushroom spores sprouting yep. around the world. I feel like that's as political as I can get at this point. And I, it's totally selfish. It's totally sure. like it's what I want to do. But, but at, it also seems like it could have a good effect. And at the highest level, to me, selfishness and altruism are un- indistinguishable hmm. because you know the enlightened selfishness is hmm. of course it's selfish is i want to make myself happy right but in order to make myself happy i cannot you know close my eyes to all the bullshit around right. me and just i'm happy sitting on my 10 million dollars well fuck you guys i have my guns to keep you right. away right that's not gonna lead you to happiness yeah like in that sense so enlightened like a good ego, an ego that's not just focused on stupid short-term goals, but on a larger scale. Understand that your happiness is not cannot exist without spreading it around you. Yeah. And so to me, it's like I tell it when I teach class. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to try to make this course as enjoyable as humanly possible. You know, when I'm in, in these are academic classroom, you know, fun is not one of the words that's typically used in <laughs> academia, you know, but I'm like, dude, I want to. Yeah. And then after a while, when they get all excited, I'm like, oh, let's remember here. I'm not doing it because I'm a selfish, nice guy. I'm doing it because I'm a selfish bastard. Right. And if I'm going to show up here two days a week to teach, right. I want to have fun. Right. And I understand that if you guys look like you're passing out and all you want to do is hide in a corner to shoot up heroin, probably I'm not going to be having the greatest fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like, I need to make it good for you yeah. so that it's good for me. Right. Like good sex, yeah, right? I was, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking good, yeah. I mean, yeah, good music. I right. Mean, you don't want to play music if your audience isn't dancing. Exactly. I mean, you, it's, it's an event. Exactly. Everyone's in it together. And so let yeah. me ask you, oh, yeah. unless you had a different direction, I'll throw no, something no, out there throw, and we throw decide. It out, dude. yeah. I think like what you highlighted now as the desire of people to be part of something greater than transform things, it's obviously a beautiful thing, is also the same thing that just every other cult has started and when, you know, mm. what separates the vision that we are playing with right now, that's, you know, there's this, some beauty, there's some health, there's a vision for an alternative for the shitty conditions of humanity. A lot of cults have started with that premise and they turned into shit, right? What do you think are the pitfalls that have led to a great premise like what we're playing with to turn into some shitty, nasty cult? Mm. Yeah, well, probably uh, ego, right? Which we talked about. So having a charismatic leader who's like, hey, I I see the way, follow me, right? Yeah. Unless it's me or you. Of course. Yeah. That it's a whole different no, story. I mean, yeah, we yeah. would do it differently. Of course. Right? Totally. I mean, uh, yeah, some, any kind of like weird uh, like financial arrangements. Give me all your money. Yeah. You know, that's it's no a good. Bad start. Uh, I get to fuck all the girls. That's probably not a good idea. No. <laughs> Unless it's me or you, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think probably having it built around a, a like a fringe belief system is the problem, right. right? Whereas if it's built around, no, no, this is just practical. We just want to eat good food. Yeah. So we're going to get together and take turns taking care of the garden and the chickens. And we want to, um, we love each other. So we want to take care of each other. And if one of us is sick, the rest of us want to help him. And yep. that's just the way it is. And so to have that kind of, you know, keep it very basic and low to the ground. Right. You know, we're not here to change the world. We're just here to take care of each other yep. while we're alive. That's yep. that's it, you know. I think keeping it very basic like that is probably uh, important and keeping the money thing as clear as possible. Other than that, you know, like it's funny. I was reading um, a book or maybe it was an article about, um, um, well, I don't want to call them cults, but like communes and alternative communities and all that kind of thing. And, you know, we always hear like, oh, it never works. And, oh, the 60s didn't work and this didn't work, never works. The success rate, if you consider 20 years Mm -hmm. of continuity of communes, is about the same as Silicon Valley startups. But nobody would ever say, don't try to do a startup. That of never course. works. Yeah, you right, know? Right, right. Like, Go for it. Maybe it'll work and it'll be amazing. But with the communes, it's like, oh, that never works. That's funny. You know, but it's the same. It's like 5% or something, yeah. you know. And 20 years later, it's still running. That's pretty good. That's and, a good deal, know? definitely. So if it's five years down or 10 years down, it's probably a much higher number. It stands to reason. And what you're saying yeah. that I think is intriguing as you add a tweak to the, that model, that's great. What you're doing is that idea that you're not necessarily, you know, everybody put their money together. Everybody's 100% invested in this thing. It's like, yes, you are invested, but you also have your plot of land. You have your house. Right. If you decide you don't want to deal with anybody for a while, you lock the door, put the sign what's at your doorstep. Right. You know, your, or you go, you know, you go to Italy to be with your family exactly. for three months. We'll take care of your place. Exactly. And if you want to rent yeah. it out, like we'll make sure the people don't trash it. You know what I mean? Precisely. It's like that community. Now, what what happens there? There are definitely situations. Like what happens if you want to sell your place and the guy who wants to buy it isn't really cool? Right. Of course. Then, oh, now we got this neighbor that nobody really likes who's, you know what I mean? So I think that that's the kind of thing you need to think about, like who's, who is admitted into the group. Right. Someone comes to help build a house and then they want to stay and you're sleeping with her and the rest of us don't really dig her that much or, you know, I mean, they're definitely complications. For sure. For sure. And I think he's. You know, I think this would actually be a cool exercise to play with sometime, to have the Chris and Daniele utopic corner where we sit down and purely theoretically play with some of these ideas. Right. Kind of see what the Try downfalls could be. anticipate problems. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, I think a lot of people would listen to what we're saying right now and be like, oh, this is awesome. Okay, how do you start? What's step one? What's step two? What's step three? What's how do I know that after step one, two, and three, I don't run into step four that makes the whole thing fall apart and I just invested a bunch of time and energy into something that's destined to fail anyway? And so I think it's like toying with it before even people can consider making it happen in a real way. 
really toying with the ins and outs, see what has worked in the past, what has not worked in the past, trying to figure out a way around it. And maybe even like with very personal aspect, it's like, why aren't we doing it right now? You know, what is that holding you or me back right now from making that from a vision into a reality? And, you know, there are, I'm sure we can come up with some very real things why we're not doing it right now. And so it's like, okay, is there a way around that problem or is that a stumbling block that kills the whole thing? Where it's like, yeah, it remains a beautiful vision that cannot have a real application. Well, I think one problem is what you said earlier, that it's very hard to get people in the same physical space these days. Sure. You know, like you and I live in the same city and we see each other like, what, twice a year maybe, Right. you know? Right. Just because you're on one side of the 405 and I'm on the yeah. other, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. You know? Uh, so that's a that's an, a big issue. People need to make a living. Yep. You and I, basically, if we're making a living from writing and podcasts, we're kind of free to move to a new place. But most people, like, not. they've got a gig, they got to go yep. to work. So, yeah, there are definite issues. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm getting close. Okay. Actually to doing something like this. The thing that's <laughs> holding me back right now is politics. Hmm. Like I don't want to plant roots, start, you know, really digging into a place if if the country's falling apart. You know, and I've as you know, you and I both have lived around the world and so I don't feel like I need to be in the U.S. Sure. You know, for the rest of my life. Um, <clears throat> but I'd, I like the U.S. I sure. like the culture and the land. And but it, I mean, if what's going on right now is the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. then I don't necessarily want to be here for <laughs> it. Right. But if it's like what I think it is, is 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 the the population, the public is so fucking sick of the status quo. Trump is one expression of that. Of course. The wild popularity of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is another. Sure. I think people are just like, somebody who's going to like break this yep. needs to get in there and break it. Cause this, so if that's a more optimistic look. So if the next election is like, you know, Having already said, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, yeah. Also, I'm 57, so I'm looking at 20 years, you know. But again, it's better one good day where you created a vision of what you want. And again, even if you go like, fuck, that would have been nice when I was 15, or that would have been nice growing up in it, starting mm. from day one. That yeah. would have been a better life. Well, but at the same time, yeah. it's like somebody got to start it, right? Well, I just I read recently this quote is going around social media. It's something about like uh, a healthy society is one in which old men plant trees. Yeah, they know they'll never sit under something like that. Yep, that's exactly. So I kind of feel. I mean, for me, I kind of feel like if I were able to be instrumental in getting something like this started, it would also give me a feeling of like I've created something that I'll leave behind that other yep. people can enjoy. And, you know, I'll never pick the fruit off this tree, but it's beautiful to see the tree, you know. Speaking of meaning, you know, when you were talking yeah, about meaning, exactly. that's a lot of fucking yeah. meaning right there. That's right. And like I don't your... have kids. I mean, you right. have a child sure. that's so you can invest a yeah. lot of that energy in her. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing. Um, 
what was I saying earlier? Oh, I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, Ikkyo is, is one of the historical mm-hmm. figures that you consider to be sort of a, a mentor or yep. a hero. Who are some, what are some of the other? Well, I think that's the figures? problem that a lot of the people that I'm otherwise attracted to, the characters that I'm like, oh, this is my kind of story. They're all mildly mentally deranged. They all have these heavy demons and they mm. create something amazing, but there's this heaviness surrounding mm. them you know when you look at the crazy horse or the italian painter caravaggio or you know there are a lot of these characters who are almost the prototype of the it's almost like watching i don't know if you've ever seen uh, the marvel the punisher it's kind of mm-hmm. like that where there's this epic character who's larger than life but there's a monstrous amount of suffering and heaviness yeah. and darkness there but isn't that the way it has to be though but that's i think why an eq guy is such a breath of fresh air for me because to me that was life right you're either an annoying normal contribute to shit human being or you are this larger than life but semi-tragic character finding out that it doesn't have to be all that way that you can actually have a model of somebody who is uh, awake, who is intense, who's passionate, and finds a way to be happy, mm. not just constantly do great things while still remaining in this heavy space. No, mm. do great things and thrive and make people smile and make. To me, it's like holy shit, that's new. You know? Yeah, because so much of everything I've always seen as my role models were. Heroic, but tragic. Tortured. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a space for that. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a space for that in my psyche, for sure. But as an ideal, that's not what I want. As an ideal, I would like that heroic aspect to lead to something a little healthier long term. You know, not to be yeah. this beautiful Greek tragedy. I would like it to be something beautiful and happy. Yeah. How's that for a concept? campfirey as we speak right i like it so so let's jump into these guys you know sometimes when i'm in the middle of a busy podcast i just feel a little grungy like if only i could clean up a little bit i, I wonder if there's somebody out there that might help me clean up my act you are in luck my <gasps> dear friend because this month we are being sponsored by dukecanon.com and I believe that I noticed your bicep size has increased already by lifting that bar of soap because these guys... There are brickle blocks that yeah, are lighter. Than- their, their soap is just... You know, if you can save up on workout equipment if you get their yeah, soap. Do because some nice curls there in the shower. Humongous, biggest bar of soap ever. It's like if there is such a thing as a manly soap, this is it. And it smells great. I chose Campfire. What? Campfire is awesome. Which kind of sound odd at first, but um, the wife was like, um, she's got sandalwood and th- other things going on inside there. And she liked it quite a bit as well. That one is great. Plus, it's good. That you may need a partner in the shower. Just to lift this thing down. And oh, 
But does it suds up wonderfully and make all your clean parts cleaner? Yep, we do like that a lot. They also have uh, shampoo, they have deodorant, they have uh, aftershave, all sort of cool products. So I'm gonna go on a limb and suggest that most of you guys use deodorant, use soap, use shampoo. So if you do such a thing, how about you check out the sweet folks who have sponsored this episode and see if you can get your shampoo soap needs taken care of over there. Where will we get a hold of such fine things? You go to dukecanon.com, duke spelled D-U-K-E, Canon, C-A-N-N-O-N.com, and you use the promo code DRUNKEN, as in Drunken Taoist, to get a 15% off. Also, free shipping on orders over $35. So check that out. Fantastic. Well, Duke Cannon, thanks for uh, thinking of us. And I dig the soap. I can't wait to try out some of the deodorant. Yeah, and beautiful doesn't need to be grand. You know, I often think that the people I admire most are the people I've never heard of Mm -hmm. because it wasn't important to them to change the world or to be, to leave their mark and their legacy. Yep. They're they're the, the hum. And I met these, you know, I mean, this was a really important kind of insight that I had, you know, as a young man when I hitchhiked to Alaska the first time. And I don't know if you've heard this story, but like I was, my life plan was to go to graduate school and, you know, like be a professor and blah, blah, blah. And then I hitchhiked to Alaska and I met all these really humble, fantastic people Mm -hmm. and I realized I was becoming a pedantic asshole like my friends who were yep. had gone to Oxford and Harvard and you know blah 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 and I was like oh that's what I want to be and then I met these people and I was like wait a minute I actually like these people I admire them of course even though they've never like you know they're they're not what you would call educated sure. they haven't you know read whatever but but their lives are good. They're happy. Their relationships are cool. This guy built his own house. He knows how to fix his car. He's got these dogs who, you know, you can tell a lot about someone by their dogs, right? <laughs> you know, and their their relationships. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I want to be like this guy. But this guy didn't even finish college. This guy has no idea who Nietzsche is. And, who cares? You know, it's like, but he understands the things that Nietzsche was trying to say. Or he understands the messages in these novels that I love so much. Yep. Um, what am I talking about? Where am I? No, but I mean, to me, that's... Uh, oh, oh, the grand. Yeah. The, the having a humble yeah. but beautiful life. Yep. Why did I say but? Humble but beautiful, right? It's right. humble and beautiful. And beautiful. There's, exactly. no, there's no contradiction between small scale and beauty. I agree. We're so brainwashed into thinking that like, 
you know, intelligence is based on how many books you've read and your high IQ and whatever the right. fuck. Or but your life's a fucking mess. Exactly. But you're a genius. What? And you know, I look at you for three seconds and I have to grab my balls because I feel everything shriveling up because I your energy is so fucking weird, right? Is that why you keep grabbing your balls, Daniele? <laughs> no, that's just me in Italian. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> like I noticed when I first. When I first met my lady now, Savannah, is like the age gap was humong. Like she was uh, 20 she's or so. She's in her old, 80s. Uh, she's in her 80s. She's right? in her 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. No, she was like. She looks younger, though. Right. She, <laughs> <laughs> I met her, I was like 37, 38, something like that. And she was like 19, 20. And I was like, I, I, you know, I never approached it as this is not like I like her. She's an awesome person. Right. But let's be real. I mean, come on. She's. No, and you're a shriveled up old man. Yeah, let's not even go there, Come right? On, man. I think I was 30. Yeah, somewhere around there, maybe yeah. lightly younger, but not a lot. And we hung out, and I, we spent a year hanging out. Not even the remotest thought of anything happening, right? Because it's like, come on, she's barely out of high school. What the fuck? There's just we're in different places. We are, but then I realized I, around her, I'm happier than I'm around anybody mm. because their energy. It's just something else. And it's like, and then I stopped to think about where she's coming from in her life, where I'm coming from. Could not be more different. The upbringing we had, the shit we have read, what we have been exposed to, all of that could not be more different. And then I remember like, okay, also all the people I know who are more similar to me, do I click with any of them half as good as I click with her? No, I don't. Are they, oh, she's young, so she may be mature. She's more emotionally mature than anybody I know, any age, right? She's like mm. a fucking Zen monk who doesn't know what Zen is, right? He's like, Zen, what the fuck are we talking about? Except she embodies it in everything she does. Right. And so then you stop and you go, holy shit, this is somebody who has it. Mm-hmm. He's not the one who can tell me, write me a dissertation about Zen. Right fucking cares it's like right. yeah that's nice that you know all those things that does not really help if right. you cannot apply them in daily life yeah she's probably never read them and it doesn't matter because she applies them on a on a day-by-day basis and i'm just like oh i get it now this is what i like better this and ultimately you feel it it's like this makes me happy right. this other thing is the image of uh, an intellectualized version of what this should be and so to me, that was a huge thing to realize. And, and it's exactly what you're saying, basically. That is like, you know, you have uh, what you can do in your day-to-day life, the presence you bring, the energy you bring, the emotional stability you bring. That's 10,000 times more important than any other of the bullshit that we get hung up on. That is like, is that really important to me? Not really, you know. And ultimately, when it comes to intelligence, I think intelligence is a poor word in that regard i like i don't even know what we're talking about when we say intelligence but when it comes to wisdom which is to me where intelligence should lead to otherwise it's pointless Mm. if somebody has it then they have done the whole journey already they don't need to step through every single thing to get there they are already there yeah intelligence to me is only interesting if it leads to an embodied wisdom Otherwise, is uh, it's like a party trick. It's like, oh, I can mm. recite these cool facts, or I can impress you with my mm. very fifty thousand words vocabulary. It's like, who cares? Yeah. There's no applicability whatsoever in that scenario. Yeah, and uh, and in fact, it's often a distraction. Yeah, from 
wisdom or yep yep yeah yeah it has been for me i mean i i think for me intelligence was uh was a weakness Mm -hmm. my own intelligence because you know i moved a lot as a kid and uh at three different times i went to three different high schools so i was always the new kid always like you know and at that age it sucks you know like and the way i defended myself was with intellectual arrogance uh-huh. you know like i'm smarter than you so fuck off of i don't i don't yeah i'm eating alone in the you know the lunchroom and that's humiliating and uh, but i'm reading this really interesting book and so i don't give a fuck and so yeah. i sort of armored myself with it and you know through college that was my thing and then when i went to alaska it all just fell apart and right. I, I realized like wow you're using intelligence as a way to separate yourself from people mm-hmm. and you're on a path that leads to loneliness and bitterness and you know it's just not a good life you know? absolutely and also i was doing a lot of psychedelics then and so there was you know that was breaking it down as well like what does it mean to be intelligent right. dude like if nobody loves you, you're not very intelligent. You yeah, know? exactly. It's, yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, you have the the dress of the real thing, but you're not the real thing. You know, you're you're missing out the stuff that makes it yeah. worth it in the first place. Because otherwise, yeah. what's the point? Well, and I mean, at that age, my best friend was was a professor at mm-hmm. the college I was going to, and he taught. Uh, you know, he taught like. Moby Dick and Joseph Conrad and, you know, a lot of these transcendentalists, late 19th century, Walt Whitman, Mm -hmm. uh, Thoreau, Emerson, like, and all these guys, what they were writing about was immersing yourself in nature Mm -hmm. and going out into the world and, and uh, like really pursuing experience. And here was this guy and I loved him. He, he was my best buddy, as I said, but, you know, he had gone to Amherst and then he went to Yale and then he got a job in this college he got tenure he had never had a job outside of academia he had never worked in a factory or a gas station or a fast food place he had never had a boss he had never punched a clock right and he was a Marxist he had all these very vehement opinions about the world and he had never been in it (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's how it is. And he was teaching these books that are, you know, about getting out into the world. And I looked back at that and I was like, I can't be that. That I I love this guy, but he's a hypocrite. It's that good old idea of not mistaking the finger for the moon, right? It's like all those books, all that stuff is pointing to something. Yeah. It's not the destination. It's not what the it's thing, pointing yeah. to is where you're supposed to go. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, it's funny when you, uh, you just made me think of like when you have a dog and you point at something and the dog looks at your hand. Of course, of course. And it's like, <laughs> no, you idiot. I'm trying to point There's a rabbit over, over there. And, and that's exactly what those books do, yeah, right? If, yeah. you, if you start staring at the books alone, it's All like, right. it's not that's, about the book. That's a map to right. take you to a real place. And if you spend all your days debating the map, you're kind of missing the point here. Yeah, you're sitting in the yeah. library. And I remember there these these authors even say that explicitly. I remember that 
in Song of Myself, Walt Whitman says something about like, don't sit in a room reading this poem. Yeah. Put me in your pocket yeah. and go out and let me feel you know, walking over the hill. You know, like take me out into yeah. the world and sit under a tree and read this. Don't sit there. I remember reading that like, fuck, he's speaking directly to me here. Yep. Whitman's amazing. Absolutely. I, I, he's, he's also a crazy motherfucker, but Jesus, what a free spirit. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, uh, about crazy horse. I mean, he was Lakota, yeah. right? Lakota guy. And I mean, talk about tragedy, right? It's like his life goes, um, he was born in the 1840s. So he goes through, he's born at a time when his people are having it the best, right? right. You have a great life. That's the well, best. Got the of... horses, they're hunting Buffalo. Exactly. The whites haven't come yet. Although smallpox has already come and wiped out a yeah. lot of the population before his time. Totally. Yeah. But he's getting to the plains, but he's still, he's, he's born right at the cusp, right? Mm. When things were... You know, you have the best that hunting and gathering lifestyle can give you, but with horses, so right. on steroids, on a greater scale, yeah. with more people, with more awesome. And then he starts seeing all the life collapsing around him. Every, I mean, it starts when he was a kid, like his uh, mom uh, killed herself when he was like five years old. So I think he was like a fight with her husband. And it's very was, unusual. Uh, yeah. Suicide. Uh, hanging. She hanged herself from a cotton tree. Yeah, oh, and wow. oddly enough, this was a jealousy thing, apparently, or at least that's the way the wow. story is told, that when he brought two more wives over, she didn't take it too well, and she, she, he was accusing her of having affairs with some white guy, all sort of stuff, and it was like, so who knows, in any case, that's the way it's told. So that's traumatic, and through his life, he starts seeing pretty much everybody he cares about die in front of him you know his brother got killed in battle his best friend got killed in battle his lifestyle is slowly being eroded as whites are coming in taking over more of the land bison disappearing uh he's uh one point he's madly in love with this woman who's with this other guy the guy gets mad come shoot him in the face you know all this shit happened over and over mm. and over he has a daughter at one point who dies in childhood. It's like you can it's like holy fuck, how many can you go through? You know, yeah. he has a list that's one of those would be most people would be in therapy for the rest of their lives. He has like ten of those in the span of a couple of decades or something. Plus his world is literally ending. Collapsing before his eyes. And he's um in some way he clearly some of it fucked him up psychologically where they say like he's different from all the other Lakota. He's very soft-spoken, mm. barely speak, doesn't say much. Most Lakota culture, they tend to boast. They tend to be a little show-off and I'm macho mm. and I'm tough. And Crazy Horse is like borderline. Like you would pass him over like, who's that guy? He's Because he's so mellow and mm. so soft-spoken and so in his own space, right? But then when battle time comes, he's an absolute fucking beast right he just can fly in the middle of bullets everywhere and nothing touches him and he gets shit done in a way that everybody's like holy sh he's like the archetype of the strong silent type mm. right and so he has this sense where the dude is undefeatable on the battlefield and yet he's losing everything around him yeah you know so there's this just a position of having this tremendous power right and you can't use it to do what you really want, which is to save your friends and family, to save your lifestyle Crazy. and all of it. And it's so... like the battlefield's the only place he's safe. Exactly. You know who that reminds me of? Mike Tyson. Totally, right? There's that 
vibe of like when you are in that ring everything makes sense yeah and the second you step out it's where it all goes to shit like there's literally one point when his brother dies the way he deals with it he goes to find his bones he buried the bones and then his way of feeling better is going out looking for white guys and killing a whole bunch of them Mm. on his own just hunting them down and in that moment when he's doing that, you know, in the middle of the gore and bloodshed and fighting against the whites, his word makes sense. He's probably the one moment where his demons are not screaming in his ears, you know. It's like where he can find some peace, oddly enough. He's yeah. right in the middle of battle. Right. When that ends, he has to go back to the reality that he's, you know, one end is super powerful guy and is ultimately powerless to do the shit that he would want to do. Yeah. And so talk about you know archetypal tragic story right and so it's awesome in some way but it's as sad as hell it's incredibly sad story you know and it's uh was he he, he didn't die in battle did no, he? no that's the thing he too. was like on a reservation in the end so right? he surrendered last sitting bull went to canada so he lasted a few more years yeah. resource is the last ones that stay in u.s to surrender yeah he comes in, they put him on this reservation on Pine Ridge, and there are some of the chiefs who have surrendered before him. Crazy Horse walk in, and everybody's looking at Crazy Horse as the badass because he never signed a treaty. He has been uncompromising to the end. Everybody look up to him as that's a real Lakota. Some of the other chiefs who have been like slowly negotiating away Lakota life one little inch at a time. Mm. And you can see why, right? These things thought maybe there is no alternative. Maybe maybe this is the only path forward. So I'm not even judging them like, oh, you're a sellout. But, sure. but that's the reality. You have been negotiating, giving away your lifestyle in exchange for peanuts every day. They were taking it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So you may have good reason, but I don't blame them for that part. The part that gets ugly is that they get jealous. The right. fact that everybody look at Crazy Horse right. as the cool guy. And right. so they start spreading rumors about Crazy Horse. They start saying he's planning to rebel. He's going to do this and that. Mm-hmm. The army, they already, they spent decades fighting this dude. They are more than willing to believe anything that's been said. And they probably want him out of the way anyway. Mm-hmm. So marriage made in heaven, right? Lakota jealousy of some of these guys army wanting to get rid of him anyway and so they just set him up like they officially while quote-unquote resisting arrest they set him up to get murdered right and so like the lead who knows what's real and what's not but the legend was that crazy horse had this vision when he was young that he would be unbeatable in battle but he could be killed when his own people are holding him back and so in this case where they are trying to arrest him, there's another Lakota guy who's trying to take a knife away from Crazy Horse as he's trying to fight and get out. And when they are struggling for the knife, that's when a US soldier come up from behind, stick a bayonet through him and kills him. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, even that side of it is heavy, you yeah. know, because he gets, who does he get fucked over? By his very own people, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's incredible. I was in the van last summer, up uh, in Oregon in mm-hmm. the Nez Perce area oh, yeah. and Chief Joseph. Yep. And it's just, I mean, like you, I was so steeped in that stuff as a kid. It's impossible for me to travel in the U.S. without seeing it 200 years ago and imagining what life was like. And yep. those, I must have been so good, you know, yep. toward the, before the end, before the beginning of the end. If you could choose... 
as a, if you could choose a time and a place to live your next life. You mean going back in the as, time machine? As, and yeah, the... as a normal person, right? Not yeah. as like an emperor in sure, Rome. Sure, sure, of course. But like if you could just like say, okay, I'm going to be a normal Cheyenne in 1820 or, you know, that something like that. just about perfect right there. <laughs> that... And granted, don't get me wrong, yeah. I'm not idealizing it. I get it that there's the tribe next door who come to steal your horses and try to murder you in your sleep. I... There's actually a Cheyenne quote by this guy, Wooden Leg, who says, uh, long after he lived, long after surrendering and the reservation period and stuff. And he said, you know, there's something cool about going to sleep, not thinking that somebody may be cut, coming to cut my throat in my sleep. <laughs> I like it. You know, yeah. it's peaceful. I get There's something where he's like, I dig it. You know, mm. this is cool. But, and then he goes and say, man, I miss the old days. You yeah. know, the old days I felt... That was a downside, but all the other stuff made me feel so much more alive, so much better than this stuff. You know, the yeah. the life we had was the coolest. There. So he knows that. He's not idealizing it like, oh, everything was hunky-dory. No, there was some real shit going on. But even when he's safer and everything is kind of, quote-unquote, working out in the sense that he's not going to starve, he's going to have a safe life, he's... There's a part of it that's like, yeah, but the real life was something else. You yeah. know, I miss the old days when we would go hunting buffaloes and that would be our life. And well, we... isn't that the trajectory of civilization in general, right? It's like, yeah, you live in pro close proximity to death and danger, but you feel alive. Yep. Or you can sacrifice that. You lose that for packaged food and your foam bed from China that's God knows what gases you're breathing all night and yeah okay you want to be comfortable or you want to be alive yeah and and i think like maybe and again this is ridiculous optimism but maybe there's a way to have not have your kids die of plague and your neighbors try to murder you and still so where there's a degree of the good side that there is today but where you, we get the stuff that really make life meaningful, which is mm. what's been lost, you know, where... Is that what mountain climbers are doing? You know, extreme sports athletes, right. is that what they're doing? That they're, they're, they're looking for that edge, that proximity to danger that makes one feel alive? I mean, I got that traveling. I got right. that from like walking down a street in, you know, fucking New, New Delhi or something and, and feeling like, exposed in a way and vulnerable sure um There's is that what we're seeking that. with that and and the fasting and you do the the jujitsu sure, sure. like we're seeking some proximity to to risk and danger right? yeah because i mean it gives you a sense of reality you know it gives yeah. you a sense of there's an immediate feedback it's like yeah. you can rationalize things all you want but there are forces out there that either it works one way or it works another it's very objective you right know? yeah so much of our lives is not objective at all yeah that when you get back to the raw elements, it's like, yeah, you either put food on the table or you don't. You either win a fight or you lose it. You either yeah. do climb that mountain or you fall off. There's, there's a certain simplicity to it that's... Uh, it's liberating. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's like, I remember being somewhere, I don't even remember where I was, but somewhere hitchhiking, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember I was with a guy and he was smoking a cigarette and he passed it to me. And I don't smoke cigarettes, but I sure. took some anyway, and I'd smoked it. And I remember thinking, 
I'm I'm worried about whether I'm going to get stuck in the rain or not. I don't I don't think about lung cancer 20 years from now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, I just remember having this insight like when your concerns are immediate, yeah. you're liberated from those long term. It's yeah. like stress. You uh-huh. you know, if you feel acute stress, you're not thinking about the chronic stressors, Absolutely. right? If you're running from a lion, you're not thinking about your retirement account. Yep. You know, it's yeah. yeah I think it, the beauty of those experiences is any intense experience puts you in the moment. Yeah, and that's right. when all the bullshit of our mind making up shit about the future, the past, uh, dwelling on old shit or mm. worrying about the future. There's none of that shit. There's right. only the guy who's trying to choke you on the mat right now and right. you're trying to fight him or there's the beautiful climb that you're on and you need to focus every last tiny bit of attention yeah. on where you put your hands next. And there is a action zen in that sense, you know, where in the middle of very intense action, that's sex, I don't have to tell you, right? It's like great sex. You're not thinking about what you're going to have for dinner while you're having sex, you know? It's like, or you're doing it wrong probably at the moment, <laughs> you know? It's like you are in the fucking moment, literally. Right. Literally, and, uh, yeah. and that's, re- refre- it feels awesome physically, but also refreshing mentally, where it's like yeah. all that shit is gone. Yeah. There's only right now these two bodies intertwined in sweaty or ecstasy three. Or, or three or four, whatever, <laughs> body, right? Yeah, let's not limit our options <laughs> here. Limited. Yeah. And yeah. it's. So, all right, we, we got off track though. If you pick, pick a North American tribe and time. No, I think you nailed it. I think really? it's plain tribe, Southern 1820s, plains. 1830s, where you have all the good stuff of the horses before right. white people you like come the in. bison? You're, you're a big... I'm down with the bison. bison. Like... I'm, uh, so, yes. <laughs> Teepees are awesome. Teepees Just... are pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. I think I, I would probably go... Um, I'd go more Iroquois, I think. Those guys were fucking intense though yeah it's like that's where intertribal warfare takes it to a whole other note you're thinking about like torture yeah that gets a little although there i don't think there was a lot of warfare until the whites came and disrupted because the iroquois nation i mean that was a huge area and they yeah it looked like culturally speaking they were pretty intense i mean it's kind of the scene that's funny it's like if you look even at some of the guys they wiped each other out with like the eurons or something there are these stories that say that visitors would remark at how incredible social cohesion there was. You know, mm. there were maybe 800 people living in really close quarters yeah. and everybody got along. Everybody was like, how do you do that? Mm. That, you know, in order to keep the peace inside under sometimes stressful condition of not having enough space, then you take it out on somebody else. Mm. And so in, with each other, you are adorable. And mm. then uh, you grab an enemy and torture them to death. You know? Although, the to- you know, it's, as you know, as a historian, it, it's funny how we use words and, and the words can hide meanings, right? Like torture, for sure. example. We torture in our world is, is the absolute lack of respect. And, sure. You know, whereas the way the Huron and, and some of those tribes did it, it was a great honor to be tortured. Yeah, but, you know. I got you, but still. You know, I mean, like, before you were tortured, my understanding is before, if you were captured in battle, right. right, before you were tortured, you were like 
all like the hottest women were fucking you and they were giving you the best food and you'd spend like the best week of your life. Right. And then you'd be burned at the stake or you'd, you know, you run the gauntlet, get beat right. to shit and then they'd burn you alive. And, and your, your, uh, objective was not to scream in pain. Yeah. I mean, that becomes like a warrior context, right? right. It's like, that's your opportunity to show off what a badass you are. Right. But still, you know, if I'm, if I'm designing my ideal culture, that's probably not <laughs> one of the features I want to include, you know, it's like, yeah. I can do without that one. Yeah. It's a rough, it's a rough way to die, but you know, look at the way we die. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, like fading away sure. for months in some like oh no I'm... facility with catheters stuck up your dick. No, I think I'd rather be burned alive than have anything stuck up my dick. How about a middle ground? How about you just kind of legends of the fall? You go off and fight a bear and uh, you yeah. know die fighting the bear and lose, of course, because <laughs> you fight a bear. So Did you hear about this guy who fought the the cougar? Recently yeah, yeah, I saw and... that. I so it was the so the news story is you know this man fights off a mountain, a mountain lion yeah. and he suffocated it and yeah. what a badass dude yeah. and then I read an article like an interview with him and it, you know in the fine print. It was thirty five pounds. Yeah, yeah, I it know. was it's a like, kitten. It was. Yeah, it was. I it mean, I, a fucking mountain yeah. lion. It was a mountain cub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I still don't want to tackle a thirty five pound mountain lion. No, no I'm sure it's not fun anyway. But yeah, sure. you're not fighting a mountain lion. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Come on, you know, yeah. Come on, yeah. It's like, oh, he killed a bear. Yeah. it was a koala bear. Yeah, yeah. It's kind <laughs> of right. It's, yeah, because in fact, when I read it, I'm like. Yeah, there's no fucking way. Yeah. You don't choke a mountain lion. I, I mean, my first thought was like it was old and sick. Or yeah. Something. I mean, sure. If he's already dead and you kick him down the cliff. Yeah, right, sure. But right. it's like. But like, if, come on, 35 pounds. That's yeah. like a, that's a medium sized dog. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Which again, you know, if you have a mean ass dog and you are able to yeah. defend yourself, that's impressive. But I mean, if it's a pit bull. Yeah. yeah that's uh, exactly. But it could be a poodle. Right. Where it's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a really fat poodle, you know. <laughs> fat poodle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I suffocated it with my bare hands. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, uh, what time? What time do you have to roll, man? Uh probably twelve. Yeah, right about in the next ten minutes. Okay, so. all right. So. so we'll wrap this up because I I could go on all day with you. This obviously. is fun, uh, Daniele Bolelli. You're no. Do you have an announcement? That you no. I mean, like? it's uh, my. Because you know, you're running two podcasts. You're yeah. a busy man. Two podcasts. You're a father. You're a you know legendary lover. Uh, Most important. <laughs> you know, all the other shit doesn't really matter. As an yeah, Italian, you're sort of expected. Yeah. Um, you've got the History on Fire, which has taken off and done yeah. really well, right? So, okay. So, Drunken Taoist remains alive and well in its regular format. Couple of episodes a month. Uh, History on Fire is gone now and kind of modifying things. So I have two episodes, you know, so far I've been doing like 15 episodes a year and it's kind of intense because those episodes are like, it's like writing a book every month, basically. It's like, it's a little intense. So what happened was I really couldn't keep up that pace anymore without some kind of help. So I did sign with this company, Luminary. They do a subscription basis. So I think it's like eight bucks a month or something. And you get like 20, 30 podcasts or something. Mine is one of them. And what I'm going to do is I'll still release two episodes per year free. So those are going to be, you can find them everywhere. But the others are just going to be through subscription. So there's, you know, people, I understand people don't want to pay or they don't have the money or whatever. They still get a couple of episodes per year free. 
but the rest in order to keep up that pace. It's like a I mean, Netflix whole, kind of model. Yeah, right? it is. Subscription, there's a lot of um, exclusive content exactly. that they're, yeah. they're lining up. And yeah. then they also have their app, as I understand, I just read about this in the New York mm-hmm. Times, their app can also be used to listen to yeah. any podcast. Yeah, you so. can use all the, listen to all the regular free podcasts and then, and that's free. And then you can have the exclusive content for pay. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations, man. You got picked up. I mean, that, that's a big, it's a big deal in the now, world of podcasting. I mean, it's another thing is like, who knows what that means? You know, you have the criticism of the people who feel like, oh, podcast is supposed to be free and independent. And I get it. That's a sweet concept. But at the same time, it also, if you're investing the time and the energy that I'm yeah. investing, it kind of needs to pay. And sometimes yeah. the free model doesn't always lead yeah. to that working super well. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, there's a point where it's like, this could be an interesting, it's an alternative. It's not that it's going to make other independent podcasts disappear. It's not, but it's an alternative to that model. And it's like, okay, let's see. I'm interested in the experiment, you know, yeah. let's see if that experiment works, if it makes sense or not for people. Well, and, and I agree, like the, the history on fire is very different from a podcast like this where we yep. just hang out and chat and I, you know, spend an hour pushing some buttons and add a song and boom, yep. it's done. You know, you're doing hours and hours of research and I mean, do you write a script? It's not you have fully notes? scripted, but very detailed notes. Right. I mean, I kid you not, probably every episode is at least a hundred hours of work. Yeah. Closer to 200 sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just not going to do that kind of work if you're not no. making significant money from of course. it because it's a job. It exactly. You know, if you do it time. as a hobby, you do it two times a year and you're done and all right. fun, whatever. But right. if you actually are going to do it on a regular basis, that means there's a bunch of other things you can do, which right. means the money is to come in from somewhere. Right. And so. And your archives will still be available. Archives, I think t- what I'm going to do is uh, that was part of the negotiations. I think we're going to leave eight episodes out of the old ones and they may rotate them. So some of those may come back as mm, time goes on. Good. But then some of it they will keep. And then uh, about eight will be out there available at all times. And right. then two new ones each year. Right. What's uh, your favorite episode you've done so far? Um, I dig the biographies a lot. I have a lot of fun when I get into some, not just a big picture history, but when I get into somebody's life. I did a four-part series on Crazy Horse. I did a two-part on Caravaggio, the Italian painter who's a crazy, insane badass. Mm. I've done, uh, you know, there's... I've done a series on Jack Johnson, first uh, black guy to win the heavyweight champion in boxing. He's another wild, Mm. crazy character. I've done, I don't know, I I think that's part of the thing. I I enjoy those stories. I enjoy diving deep, researching, writing it out. They're fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to having time to just like listen to your podcast and read books about, I mean, I haven't read what I wanted to read for a long no, time. I I've know. been reading for yeah. work, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I really want to read. There's a biography of um, Captain Scott. Which you know, Captain he, Scott? Uh, he, I, is it Scott? He sort of went to, he died in Hawaii. Was that Scott? Cook. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I need to read the fucking book. Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, just that. Totally. You know, those guys, what a fucking life those guys were leading. Or a Humboldt. There's also a biography right. of Humboldt I'd like to read. He was all up in the Amazon in, what, the 1840s or 50s or something? Right. Like, crazy. 
Yeah, and now it's just like, oh, good weed, man, Humboldt. <laughs> Humboldt County, yeah. That's a legacy right there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, man, we got to end this so you can go live your life and go. do your job. Thank you, Daniele Bolelli. Thank History you so on much. Fire and the Drunken Taoist. Yeah. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taos Podcast. That's just a great conversation. I just had the best time with it, from crazy horse to all things in between. Um, I do love the notion of the failing communes, and for the main reason they probably all do fail, because there's always some motherfucker that thinks he gets to have sex with all the ladies. Yeah, it's totally uncalled for. You know, you get like you can have a good life without being a selfish asshole, so I don't quite... That wrecks it too, but and it was also the notion that somebody's going to break up with his girlfriend, he's going to bring some new girl out there that's just going to wreck is going to wreck the dynamic. Well, interpersonal relationships are always complicated, to say the least. Yeah, so you multiply it by 30 huts. Yeah, it can get sketchy fast. Why is it chilly night? This is supposed to be meditation night. Y'all are over farting in the corner. (laughs) I've had enough of y'all. I'm out of here. That's kind of sometimes what happens, right? Humans are interesting. It seems like, you know, maybe something for the summer. Well, that's a start. Right. Maybe that's you how know? you do it. Like, yeah, like they, they you... run off to the Catskills back in the day for the hot summer. So that would probably be tolerable. And by the time you got to August, there would be enough of like, I'm fucking out of here. Well, and I think also the, you know, the idea that you can live in your little house for your whole life uh, with one or two people that you share your house with. And then suddenly you go into this communal style living where you have 30 people living next to each. That's going to be rough. You, ne- you need to have some intermediate steps. And I think the, what you're just saying, you know, you can do that for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, you can be your summer vacation. It can be your, you can get a taste for it and figure out how much you like it or not. And, and, and who build you like from and there. who you're inviting next year. And It's like lifting kettlebells, right? You build the resistance that you can go to the bigger one, but you don't start with the giant Bigfoot one right away. It's like the English Premier League that at the end of the season, four or five teams are going to be relegated. Right. And replaced next season because I can't stand those motherfuckers. That's how it works. <laughs> So donations time. Yes. Let's say thank you to some sweet folks. Let the pottering begin. Specifically, Gianni Linima, Aaron Weisner, Christopher Parcel, John Gunner, Gregory Howard, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Luis Pesquera, Thomas Robinson, Samuel McNichol, Ross Cranham, David Pitt. You guys are superstars. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it, guys. And... Like I might have mentioned a little forcibly last week, we don't want to take your your hard-earned savings or anything like that, but literally, five bucks once a year would be so appreciated. Most definitely. That would go a long, long, long way. It really would. And, you know, I'm a sucker. When Wikipedia wants some money, I use Wikipedia. I throw them three bucks. I'm not doing the $50 one, but it's worth it to have that available. And we kind of feel the same way about ourselves because we're assholes. (laughs) Cool. Thank you, guys. Anyway, great chat. 
here we are at the end. Here we are at the end. So thank you again to all the sponsors, Blue Chew, uh, Duke Cannon, Onnit, and Shore Design T-shirt. Daisy House, Kirika Chocolate. Thank you to those guys as well, most definitely. And um, let's just wrap it. That's the way to end one. Take that, bitches. Don't forget to donate. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss.